You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am your host, Derek, and I've got with me my buddy and co-host, Cole, Cole, blah, blah, blah. I'm off to a great start, man. My co-host, yeah, this is going well. Going great. Ryan, hi, buddy. Hi. How are How you? Are you? <laughs> this is where we are really doing well right now. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's great. I'm glad to hear that, Derek. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> Welcome to episode 20 of the show. And you might not know it from this intro, but we've done together like 300 podcast episodes over the years. This is an intro from two people who are really comfortable doing podcasts together. Clearly. Yeah. Um, It's because we're not recording at our normal time. That's what it is. That's right. Everything's thrown off. But this week we are talking about the iconic 2011 Nicolas Cage movie, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance which if you haven't seen is the one where Johnny blaze tortured by the ghost riders curse gets a chance of redemption through protecting the devil's son whose father is pursuing him. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of describes it. Yeah. A uh, divisive film four and a half stars on Amazon 4.3 out of 10 on IMDb. But uh, yeah, it's the sequel to ghost rider, which we have not covered on the show yet. Because uh, we spin a wheel and it randomly picks a Nicolas Cage movie. But uh, yeah, I had never seen this one. We have covered this one. We have covered the first one uh, on a different podcast, though. So that's it's true. Not, this this movie. We're going to have to talk about that a little bit when we get to some of the other Nick Cage movies where I we one or both of us hasn't seen the first one. Like National Treasure. I haven't ever seen any of those. So I feel like if we get a National Treasure movie, it needs to be the first one first so that I'm not being weird about it. But yeah. We're going into this one. We have both seen the first one at some point, even if we haven't reviewed it. So we may make references to the first one. At least I'm going to. So yeah, that's fair. 100. percent Yeah, I think that's very fair. So yeah, so basically the way we do this is Ryan takes diligent notes as he watches the Nicolas Cage movie, and then we go through those notes. So yeah, Ryan, do you want to kick us off? Well, I want to say before this starts, in case you haven't listened to some of the previous episodes, uh, this was a movie I vowed to never watch. <laughs> I loved the, loved the cheesiness of the first one. Uh, I'm not under the impression that it was a good movie by any means, but it's a good, bad movie. And, uh, you know, this movie, when the trailer came out, uh, it had a scene of Nick, Nick Cage slash Johnny Blaze pissing fire. And when I saw that, trailer i said i'm not gonna go see that movie ever and here i am watching it for you derek and the three people that listen to this podcast so you're welcome hey i had never seen it either for similar reasons so you know we're in this together buddy fair enough all right well my first note is marvel knights question mark because right at the very beginning of the movie a thing pops up this is marvel knights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there is a in the comics, there is a Marvel Knights group that has Blade and Ghost Rider and I think Moon Knight. I'm not super familiar with them, but uh, I thought maybe that was a reference to that, but I have no idea. It was just a weird thing. I, I think the, the goal was to create that branding and then this movie didn't do particularly well. And so the rights went back to Marvel Studios. So that didn't get to happen. 
Fair enough. That's my take. Um, and then, you know, we get Idris Elba popping up, which I had no idea who was even in this movie. Not just Idris Elba. Idris Elba doing a French accent. Which I have a note later that that French accent ends up being, I don't want to say bad because I don't really know a lot of French people. So it's, I don't really know what a good French accent sounds like, but it was distracting for sure. I just don't know why he needed to be French. He's got a wonderful voice already. And the fact that he's French seems fairly irrelevant to the overall character. So yeah, they don't go to France or like, you know, have (laughs) something that make that relevant. Yeah. So it's a weird decision, but Hey, maybe he just wanted to do it. I don't know. He was like, you know, I've never had a chance to do a French accent before. (laughs) Yeah, could be. So this movie came out in a time when uh, there was like a specific type of action movie, the way it was done. You know, I think if I remember right, the people that directed this directed Crank and a couple other like weird action movies of that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's those movies were a lot of like uh, jump cuts, fast, you know, fast cuts, action where you don't really get more than a few seconds at a time. And watching those movies now is kind of nauseating. Yeah. The action um, right at the beginning of this was real bad. It's basically what I'm getting at. No, I'm with you there. There's also some choices like from a cinematography standpoint that are, that are odd where it kept doing this cut that would then rewind a couple of seconds. Yeah. And I found that really distracting and Jarring. jarring. Yeah, each time that it happened. And there was a lot of like the sped up action, especially when Nick would like change. Yeah. And it just was very strange to watch. So in the beginning of this movie, there's a basically it looks like a monastery or something, Mm -hmm. essentially, or like the Vatican. I don't really know what it's supposed to be. I think it's a monastery, yeah. But uh, uh, Idris Elba's character is there looking for someone. And then this other group shows up looking for someone. And then it randomly cuts to this woman and her kid running, which implies that they're the ones that people are looking for. And uh, they basically end up getting chased out of this. They were in like a Peugeot, like tiny Peugeot car of some kind. And, uh, you know, nothing fast. But then there's like a chase and Idris Elba gets his tire shot on his motorcycle. Since apparently it's really important that he's a motorcycle rider, just like Johnny Blaze. They can connect on that point. But a bullet hits his tire, which is a really tough shot to make. But somehow they make it and his bike wrecks and he flies off the bike. And while he's flying off the bike off of a cliff, he turns around in midair, pulls a gun out, and shoots up the door of the chasing vehicle to where they wreck. But mm-hmm. you don't really see what happens to him. Not then, anyway. No. And it's important to point out that, so he plays a character named Moreau. He has no superpowers. This is just... Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean... Allegedly. Yeah. It's never said that he has superpowers. Right. His superpower is belief in God. Yes. I think. Um, so, yeah, you get that weird slow-mo gunshot. And then you cut to Nick Cage exposition, which I don't really know how to take because it is kind of recounting the events of the first movie, but it also is not recounting the events of the fir- first movie accurately. So, like, <laughs> there's, like, a bunch of animation where it shows the things that, Uh, Johnny Blaze went through in the first movie and like there's a random shot of him pulling his pants down and doing a flip on the motorcycle Mm -hmm. so that was my next note bare ass cage except it's like an animation but that never happened in the first movie 
Uh, he was more known for like evil Knievel type stunts rather than like X game stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it shows him signing the contract mm-hmm. uh, for the devil to take his soul or be his rider or whatever. And it's a totally different devil than what's in the first one. Even in this like animated scene, they didn't even try and make it look like it was the same actor. It was a totally yeah. different actor. It's a very strange. It's almost like they didn't. It feels like they didn't have the rights to the first movie. Yeah, it it felt like they either didn't. Yeah, maybe they didn't have the rights, or maybe they were doing like a soft reboot of some kind, where they kept some things and changed others. I mean, there is an explanation later in the movie as to why the devil looks different now. Right, but that doesn't explain why he would look different than he did in, right, the, in the flashbacks. Yeah. Right. 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 Or why just like the events would be they're like different enough, right? Where it's like legally distinct. Yeah. But they were both Columbia pictures. So like, I don't know. There's not a good explanation for that. There's only four years between the movies. So it's not like. But he looks way older in this movie than he did in the first one. Did you notice that too? Maybe it's just his hairline. I don't know. His hair was not doing him any favors in this movie. No. I mean, it's been a little while. It's probably been two or three years now since we watched the first one. Um, So I don't know that specifically but But in the first one there was literally a scene where people were debating whether it was his real body or a cg body so i mean he clearly looked younger in that movie this movie there's nothing like that for sure we never see him with his shirt off there's probably a reason i mean (laughs) i'm not trying to body shame or anything but he's definitely not in the same shape he was for the first movie fair enough um so yeah that was my next note is this is not how it was in the first movie there's that's not the only example that's just like the most glaring example Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And then he talks about, like, in the same exposition, he's talking about the rider and how the rider hungers and, like, will do will stare your soul and swallow it or something like that. And he talks about the things that he'll stare at you for. And one of them is apparently illegal downloads. So if you illegally download a movie, (laughs) then your soul is going to get devoured by the rider of the devil. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, well, I mean, you wouldn't download a car, right, Ryan? Yeah. Ew, that That's was that a weird era, line. right? That was yeah. that era, right? That yeah. was that era. Yeah, this, that was just a really weird line. I think they were just trying to be funny, but it, for me, it didn't really land. Um, and then it shows they're probably I'm probably going to be skipping some stuff, but at <laughs> at some point, it shows what happened to uh, Mobius or whatever his name is, uh, uh, Moreau. Yeah. Um, he got stuck in a tree. He apparently got caught by a tree. So he survived and it's like a weird, so there's like a serious scene and then it's a weird cut to him just like hanging in the tree comically. Yeah. And then back to the serious scene. So there's a lot of that. The tone of the movie is, is all over the place. It doesn't know if it's trying to be dark and gritty or kind of silly. Right. Um, Another difference between this one and the first one is that he has a totally different bike in this one, which kind of is a plot hole for me as the movie goes on um like i can understand they say that anything he rides Mm -hmm. can become his vehicle and be like a fire vehicle which is cool and all but then like he'll he'll pick a vehicle and it'll become the fire vehicle but then his bike will come riding up later by itself Mm -hmm. well i think he can i think he he can can possess any vehicle that he for any length of time that he's ever used i think so I think that's the implication. So he could call the crane. Why doesn't he just not call the crane everywhere to just destroy Cause, everything? Because it's probably super slow. He no, because in the first movie, the bike was would go like four thousand miles an hour. So yeah, clearly, he can speed up whatever vehicle he's on. 
uh, anyway, it's, it's I guess. a weird plot hole thing, but yeah, yeah there'll be several, several notes about that. I'm okay with it being a different bike simply because now he's in Europe and I guess it would have been easier for him to get there without the bike. I am too. But if, if he always has this one bike that he's connected to, then why is it not the original bike? You know what I mean? That's, I guess where it starts to get weird, but maybe, whatever, maybe we're not going to, we've talked enough about this. We don't need to keep going into this. <laughs> um, and then there's like a weird shot of Idris Elba's character sitting in a, a windowsill with like lightning storms happening behind him. And so my next note was, does he purposefully sit in dramatic locales? Because yes, he seems like he just wants to sit someplace that's a really good cinematic view um, multiple times in this movie. But, you know, hey, who can blame him, I guess. Um, and then we see this. I think this is when the... Uh, What's the guy? Krieger? Is that the guy's name? Which which guy? The guy that works for the devil and later becomes a different guy. Yeah, so that that is uh that's Kerrigan. 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 Yeah, Kerrigan. Yeah, and so he is like trying to catch this girl and is uh and her daughter and his her son, mm-hmm. which is also what Ghost Rider is doing. Moreau has contacted johnny blaze to go and save this boy in return for getting the curse of the ghost rider removed from him that's basically the whole plot of this movie but we, we at this point don't know anything about this kid other than it just seems to be a random kid very true i will i will say well we know he's connected to a prophecy uh we know that at this point but like i i do have a hard time with if if johnny can't control the rider then why would the rider search for the kid also, there's points in the movie where it's shown he is controlling the rider. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and it's in the first the movie, place. he could control it. So by the end of the movie, he could control it. But he's so, like hiding out. Like the way the movie starts is that he clearly can't control it. Sure. But it also says that he's like constantly hungry for souls, but he's only shown to like do the pen and stare to one person in the whole movie, I think. In the second movie? Yes. No, he does it a few times. Well, he starts to, but then yeah. he like like drops people, and he doesn't. It doesn't actually finish. But they only actually finishes like one time. Yeah, it take it seems to take a while. Yeah, and he like literally will stare at him for a long, long time, and nothing will happen. But yeah, anyway, he shows up when this girl is getting attacked, and her son is getting attacked and attempted kidnapping by this guy. And you hear like a weird bunch of predator noises, which is apparently something that this ghost rider does now, which he didn't do in the first movie. It's just like echoey predator noises that yeah, happens just, you know, before he shows up. Warning the bad guys. Right. So then he shows up and everybody just stares at him. <laughs> like, I'm, you're laughing, but it, that's literally what happens. Yeah, no, There's I know. two minutes or something where people are just staring at. He's literally just stand, standing there and all these people fully armed are just staring at him. Mm-hmm. And it's a really weird scene. He does look cooler in this one, I'll say. Uh, I don't. I think I prefer the like classic bone look, but he does look very cool in this one with like the charred mm-hmm. face. I don't really like the charred jacket, but whatever. I thought um, it was kind of cool seeing the jacket bubble a little bit from time to time. But it, uh, again, that didn't happen in the first movie. No, His jacket stayed the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, he so he shows up. They're all just like staring at him, and eventually, the dude. Kerrigan or whatever his name is, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, Kerrigan uh, says to kill him or something like that, and then everybody starts shooting him. And he he whips out his chain, and now apparently he has the power to disintegrate people, which he never had in the first movie. He did like 
disintegrate a couple like demons. You know, remember they had like those mm-hmm. possessed guys in the first movie that were different elements, mm-hmm. and he could make them disappear. But now he apparently just does it with reckless abandon yeah. to normal people. Yep. Yeah. Um, when it's convenient to the fight. when it's convenient, and I don't remember the context of this fight or this line, but at some point his character says, "Oh no, I do remember the context." So Kerrigan gets a grenade launcher. And oh, blast at the, him at the quarry. Get the quarry and yeah. blast him with a grenade launcher after he's killed like ten of his guys. <laughs> and uh, the grenade launcher hits him in the chest and knocks him way back, and blows up. And a seemingly Ghost Rider goes unconscious at this point. And Kerrigan says, "Get some," and then drives away. So that was a fun line. Yeah, there's some really bad lines. There's some really bad lines. I have more. Did it hurt line or did that hurt line? Like, it's just, uh, man, there's some bad ones. Yeah, my next note is they did not do his hair any favors in this movie, which I love you, Nick, more than most people. But in this movie, they did you dirty, my friend. Uh, And then there's another line. You're the devil's baby mama. That is a line uttered by Nick Cage in this movie. Mm hmm. So, it's almost as awkward as when Nick tries to tussle Danny's hair in the restaurant. Yes, I have a that note later on in the, that uh, <laughs> he's very touchy-feely. Johnny Blaze is very touchy-feely in this movie. Um, yeah, so then they go through the explanation of how the devil can take different forms mm-hmm. uh, to, to explain why this is a different actor than the first movie. Um, and at one point they show Jerry Springer. Yeah, he was the devil apparently. I guess at one point he was the devil. Though, though, my, my problem with that is seemingly the devil like uses up a body and then moves on. Right. But like Jerry Springer was still, still alive. Like he's alive. So. Yeah. Again, <laughs> not a lot that makes sense in this movie. Um, then, then he's just like talking to people about the Ghost Rider and everybody is so casual about it. Like there's a demon that's head is a flaming skull and can whip people and disintegrate them but everybody just casually talks about this like it's nobody's amazed by it it's no, just like a thing he, that happens on tuesdays or something even kerrigan he's not amazed he's annoyed he yeah. wants more money but he's not like oh my god this dude's head's on fire he's not like <laughs> i'm not gonna do this job because there's a demon from hell that's coming after me i'm gonna do this job and ask for another bit of money yeah, yeah. as if Anyway, yeah, Johnny Blaze wakes up in the hospital from the grenade, uh, which is weird, and then starts hitting on the nurse. Immediately. Um, immediately after waking immediately. up. And it's very uncomfortable. How do you think he um, got to the hospital? Do you think that Nadia brings him to the hospital? I mean, that's a really good question, because she acts like she doesn't know who he is uh, right after that. Right? Okay. So I'm uh, assuming okay. it's not her that an ambulance was randomly driving through the quarry and found him. <laughs> as um, luck would have it. They, you know, as it does. So then they're looking for the boy because the uh, Kerrigan has taken the child during this quarry scuffle after knocking Ghost Rider unconscious with a grenade. And uh, and they're looking, he, he's, him and uh, the girl are looking for Nadja are looking for the boy. And right. so they find out that the boy is, or they go to, they, they, Nadja knows this guy who works at a fight, an underground fighting pit, apparently. 
and so a really she says, fancy one a really fancy one and she says oh if we go ask this guy he'll know where they are okay just like for plot convenience um <laughs> so they go and interrogate this guy and they let nick go full cage <laughs> and it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in my life uh if, if i was going to take something from this movie as a positive that scene is the is the shining moment for me oh yeah it's my favorite scene in the movie basically the context of the scene is that they're interrogating this guy uh and he's essentially it's said that he can't control the rider but he's a he's basically going like bone skull to, to normal human skull the whole like he has like a Parts bone eye that like yeah. yeah that's something that these directors really like to do is like make faces metamorph a little bit because even at one point the devil's face starts doing that and mm-hmm. they really like that but yeah one of his eyes keeps like blacking out and he's clearly trying to control the rider from coming out because the rider's hungry the rider's always hungry in this movie he was never hungry in the first one but well, it's even worse because this this guy's you know he's a total like criminal slime ball type, and so right. the writer really wants that soul. Yeah, because that's more filling, I guess. I Apparently, don't I don't know. But yeah, so he's constantly fighting, and the girl with this like impulse to have the, the devil come out of him, and uh, the girl is going through his cell phone, I guess, and looking at texts, mm-hmm. and then at some point they shove the cell phone in his mouth. Yeah, and they find out where they're supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. needless to say but yeah it's a it's a great scene if it's available on youtube you should look it up because they re- if you're a fan of cage he really goes full cage uh it was beautiful um then we get the evil dead shit the first scene of the evil dead shit which in all fairness there was some evil dead shit in the first one too mainly the scene where he's transforming into the ghost rider in the train station for like the first time mm-hmm he was kind of channeling Bruce Campbell in the scene where he has to cut his own hand off in Evil Dead 2 um, during that scene, like with a laughing because you're in pain and that whole thing. Right. Well, then in this movie, there's some very similar like shots where he's like riding the motorcycle and his head's like moving all fast and he's laughing and, you know, it, it's clearly painful, but he's still laughing. And um, so that they do a lot of Evil Dead homages in this movie, um, which were actually done pretty well. I don't really like the way that they were handled in the movie, but you could clearly tell what they were going for. Yeah, I don't like that sped up look that they're going with. Just let Cage do his thing. And move yeah, on, yeah. Know? I mean, they did do that in Evil Dead um, um, in those Raimi movies. Maybe not quite bit. as severe. Yeah, they didn't yeah. abuse it as much as they did in this movie. Yeah. Um, And then they find the kid super easily. Like the next scene is them untying the kid. Uh, so with Cage even... still having the rider more or less under control, right? Yeah, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the the rider comes out again and starts disintegrating people. Um, at one point, he gets a grenade. I don't know if he kills the guy and then the grenade drops at his feet or something like that. But the grenade blows up, and then he's just kind of floating in midair on his side, uh-huh. like perpendicular. It's hard to describe, but he's basically like parallel to the ground. Yeah, he's just floating floating and then he just starts spinning so he's still saying saying parallel to the ground um and, and then he starts fighting more people it's a very weird scene and yeah it, so it's like like a 
I don't know. There's like a, a mining thing going on there. And these guys are doing a weapon. Another deal. quarry. Yeah. And like a much larger quarry. And there's like a weapons deal going on. This dude has a freaking rocket launcher. Yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah, they're doing a, a weapons deal. And they're the guy uh, Kerrigan is trying to buy four uh, bunker buster missile launchers, mm-hmm. essentially for to, to fight the rider. Right. Yes. And they ask him, Oh, how many guys are you up against? And he's what? like one. Okay. Um, so yeah, then, then the ghost rider shows up and he does all that spinning stuff. And then at one point he goes up to a guy and just stares at him again. And the guy just starts emptying a machine gun into his mouth because that's mm-hmm. apparently where you shoot a demon. I don't really know, but he just empties a full uh, clip into this guy's mouth and into the ghost rider's mouth. And then the ghost rider starts spitting bullets back at him. It does kind of beg the question of like, why was Nick K- why was Johnny Blaze's body injured after the first attack? Like when he can clearly eat bullets. Well, not only can he clearly eat bullets, my next note actually, now that you bring that up, is <laughs> one grenade fucked him up, but a bunker buster missile is fine because totally fine. they shoot him with this missile and he gets taken up into the air and then brought down into the ground and blown up with this missile, and then he just like casually strolls out. He's completely fine. Completely fine. Goes into like a giant, I don't know, it's not a crane. I called it a crane, but it's some sort of industrial mining machinery. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a name for it. There That, uh, yeah, he still lights on fire Ghost Rider style and starts Just killing people. people. With it. Yeah, yeah, starts blowing stuff up. Uh, at this point in the movie, I turned to the person I was watching this with and, and reminded her that one time in the comic books, there was a what if comic book where they said, what if Professor Xavier was the Ghost Rider? And he did have a flaming wheelchair in that. So that is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, I, you're that's how I've always understood the power. It's just, it was just kind of silly because, again, it was another example of, like, his powers will disintegrate people when it's convenient. Yeah. And then it won't when it's not convenient for it to happen. Like, that, that just happens. Like, why doesn't he just dust Kerrigan? That's like my next. Well, uh, my next notice. So now he can turn anything into a Ghost Rider vehicle, which is not really something that could be done in the first movie. You basically picked a vehicle, and that vehicle was tied to you. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Sam Elliott's character had the horse, yeah, which isn't cool. really a vehicle; it's like a living creature. So that's a little odd, but it was just very a cool. thing you can ride. Yeah, and then the the uh, motorcycle for Ghost Rider. But yeah, he turned that thing into a Ghost Rider vehicle. And yeah, my next note is why didn't he kill boyfriend guy? Because apparently Nadia, well, I don't think we talked about it, Nadia and Kerrigan were dating at one point. But uh, yeah, he picks up Kerrigan. This is another example of the Ghost Rider being hungry and not actually doing anything about it. Because he mm-hmm. stares at Kerrigan for a very long time and then realizes that Nadia is there and goes after her. And he just throws Kerrigan to the side, apparently. Well, he wants Danny. But again, it's still really unclear. Why. No, he wants to go after her because he's, he says earlier that uh, she needs to get far away when he's the ghost rider because uh, he, he, she's got as many, yeah. as many stains on her soul. But as why would anybody he drop else. Kerrigan to go after her? They're both bad, right? So why wouldn't he finish off Kerrigan? Maybe she's worse. I mean, at this point, we don't really know any of her history. We know she's a thief no. and everything else. I don't I don't think anything in this movie makes sense. So I think trying to find logic in it is just asinine. Uh, All right, fair enough. But yeah, maybe he was going after Danny. In any case, uh, he goes after he throws the main bad guy to the side 
and goes after the girl that's been helping him um, and her son. And as he walks to the sun, he basically loses his Ghost Rider form. Like the kid keeps him for, or like turns him back somehow. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we still don't really know. Well, we do, I guess. We know that he's the son of the devil because they had that talk with the devil baby mama. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, at this point, I had does Ghost Rider ever eat people because he's always hungry and he never eats anything? But referencing the boyfriend thing. And then we get a scene with them like at a diner mm-hmm. going through the plan. And we get about a minute and a half of Nick Cage just drinking water from a large like pitcher. Yeah, he's hot. He's you know been on fire. Yeah, and they did that in the first <laughs> one too. So that was that was kind of a reference to the first one. But on the first one, it was the water like started steaming when he drank it and like evaporated. And this one, he just drank a lot of water. They also didn't have the jelly beans that were such a huge deal in the oh, first yeah, one. The jelly beans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but those. it's way too much time spent on water drinking in the scene. Then that's never touched on again. Like he's really thirsty right now, but he's never thirsty any other time in the movie. No. Except when he drinks a little bit of wine later, I guess. I don't know. Um, and so then the devil shows up at the quarry site where that big fight happened and he finds Kerrigan. And he gives him, well, Kerrigan dies in front of him because somehow he got trapped under a rock. We don't really know how. I mean, Ghost Rider just kind of threw him to the side, but apparently threw him hard enough to collapse a wall on top of him or something. And he dies. And the devil says, oh, it's not your time yet. And he gives him DK powers. I don't know if that's the character name in the comics or what. But it reminded he me can... of some like Captain Planet villain. Right, and he can decay anything he touches, basically. Which, um, by the way, his ability to control that power or not is wildly inconsistent. And that unclear. is a note I definitely have later in the movie. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, but yeah, he has super nice hair. He looks like a zombie, like a decaying zombie, but his hair is beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, blonde, long hair. And, you know, for a guy with de- decay powers, you wouldn't think that that would be the case. But... You know, he's going against the stereotype. I don't know why his hair changed. Yeah, his hair changed. It's nice and long and blonde. I'm guessing that there's a comic book character with long blonde hair named Decay that they were modeling after and they just wanted him to kind of look like him. But yeah, it was very weird. Um, So then we get like a nice conversation between Johnny Blaze and Danny sitting on the back of a tow truck. Mm hmm. While it's driving with this bike on the back, but they're just like hanging out, flying down the highway. Well, it's implied that they're flying, but like yeah. if you actually look when they're like a side shot, you can see that they're going like five miles an hour. Well, right, it's because they have like a love. twelve-year-old sitting on the back of the right. Truck. But I mean, maybe we should just not encourage people to ride on the back of open bed trucks. Uh, that would probably have been better <laughs> but uh yeah so then we get to see the scene from the trailer which i thought was just in the trailer but it's an actual scene in the movie of him peeing flame talking about the penis flamethrower or whatever mm-hmm. we get that twice by the way yes yeah, so we get that a second time lucky us yeah that's um, great. so yeah it, like basically they're having a conversation about the rider and like a serious conversation and then it cuts to a black void which a lot of this movie there's a lot of the action scenes where it's just two people fighting in a black void it's a very weird thing um and it seems like it's supposed to be a power that kerrigan gets as the decay guy because well he can instigate yeah but decay isn't there at this point so he wouldn't have anything to do with this but it just shows him 
in the blackness peeing in the flame oh or right pee, right sorry yeah, um right. but yeah so that was terrible yeah it was bad really bad and then i had yeah they're driving like five miles per hour and then uh kerrigan or not kerrigan uh dan or nick cage johnny johnny blaze is like <laughs> want to have some fun with the kid and the kid's like yeah and they get on the bike and no helmets and doing like wheelies and stoppies and you know all these crazy stunts and at some point uh the <laughs> what's his name moreau oh, wow. shows up and he's also doing stuff on his bike with them and, and the mom it's, thinks it's just the hilarious. mom thinks it's, she loves it yeah she's like please keep doing tricks with my kid on the bike that i love so much <laughs> Like, I can understand Ghost Rider not wearing a helmet because he's, like, an undead demon or whatever. But a kid is still a kid, even if he's the son of the devil. He's not immortal. At least there's nothing saying he is. Could uh, you imagine you know, if that's how this... the movie ends? The kid just falls off the bike and dies? And dies? Yeah, it'd be depressing. Um, but, yeah, that, it was a really weird scene. Uh, like a lot of other scenes in this movie. Very mixed tone. Well, they're also, they're still being hunted. Right. Yeah, right. they make sure in that diner scene, they made sure he made sure to say, well, we have to keep moving and we have to do it quickly. And then they just drink water for 10 minutes, you know, but priorities do tricks down the road. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Kerrigan is chasing them like or like he's trying to find them. He's hunting them down or whatever. Yeah. And he kills an ambulance driver and steals the ambulance. And he's going through all the food in this guy's lunchbox. And he touches like an apple and it decays and like a sandwich and it decays and then he picks up a twinkie and guess what jokes on you hostess it doesn't decay <laughs> it's also a joke from zombie land when you know saying that twinkies would still be around but instead of eating it like a normal human being he <laughs> puts it the whole wrapper into his mouth and like closes his mouth on the wrapper and then just like squeezes it out like a I don't know, like a push pop or something yeah. into his mouth. Uh, so my next note was who eats a Twinkie like that. And if there's a vocal group of people that eat Twinkies like that out there, please let us know because maybe I've been doing it wrong my whole life, but it was just <laughs> a really Twinkies disgusting. It's a really disgusting way of eating a Twinkie. And that whole scene lends to the confusion around, does he control his decay powers or not? Cause the ambulance is fine. Yeah, exactly. He's driving the ambulance. It's not decaying. But then when he gets out of the ambulance, Okay, so spoiler alert. <laughs> At some point he gets the kid again. And uh <laughs> oh, when no. he shows up, he shows up to the devil to deliver the kid, and the ambulance is fine. But uh the when he reaches out, he for some reason everybody wants to touch everybody in this movie. And so he reaches out to like pat the devil on the shoulder, like a you know, joking pat, and the devil says, Don't touch me, which implied to me that he can't control his powers and he doesn't want to be decayed. Um, but mm -hmm then there's a couple scenes where he seems to control it where he can like decay people slower or faster it's yeah weird. i mean the, the climax fight between him and johnny makes it very clear he can control them at that point yeah but up until then it's just very inconsistent yeah so that part was jumping ahead a little bit so yeah you know yeah. They, at this point they have the boy the the you know, nick cage and uh nadia and moreau have the boy and they're heading to this unknown place that's safe like uh it's seemingly a monastery or something like that that moreau has been talking about that'll be safe for him mm -hmm. and they get there and it's basically tatooine <laughs> they go from like a really? desert to like a weird <laughs> like alien village it actually reminded me more of dark crystal yeah like it's very it's 
completely they're in the like the Arizona desert. It looks like on the highway when they're doing all these stunts and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they end up in like if, like if Tatooine had a bunch of like green vegetation growing on the buildings and stuff. That's what it looked like to me. Mm. Or like Mos Eisley, if it if it had a yeah. uh, green stuff, uh, you know, plants growing on stuff. It was very weird, very jarring and different. Like it doesn't even look like they're on the same planet. And then a bunch of monks show up that have tattoos all over the all over their faces. And as soon as one of them starts talking, you discover that one of them is Raiden from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you know, I didn't actually notice. What? <laughs> you didn't hear that voice and go, oh my God, that is 100% Raiden from Mortal Kombat. I think I was too distracted. This yeah. It's very distracting. It is very distracting. <laughs> I, I don't know the uh, actor's name. Oh, it's Christopher Lambert is the actor, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was raiding in the Mortal Kombat movies. He right. talked like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was like a whitewashed Raiden. Um, but that's what I know him from. So it was a weird, his, his very specific voice. But fun fact, supposedly the tattoos took so long that he just kept them on day and night because he didn't want to have to have them redo it each day. Well, he was in like six minutes of the movie. So I imagine he was probably only there for two days. So, I mean, that's not really that big of a what i read wasn't particularly clear on that but yeah it was multiple days at least yeah so then my next note is idris's french accent is very distracting which we (laughs) talked about already like i said distracting Um, movie (laughs) then we get some like so there's some exposition as to the ghost rider right and what it is because he's delivered the boy so now he's supposed to get his curse removed and uh moro is going to do this but before he does it uh, Johnny wants to. He calls him John, which I also found very distracting. Moreau f- calls him John instead of Johnny, mm-hmm. but uh, he goes through some like there's some cutscenes, very Mandy esque cutscenes of uh, like animated stuff, mm-hmm. showing that there's a spirit of justice and a spirit of vengeance, and it's like a it's like I don't know if it was two angels. It's a no, little no, unclear. It's, it's the same angel. So the spirit of justice what became fallen and became the spirit of vengeance. So basically spirit of justice was kidnapped down in hell and tortured. And then the whole concept of justice was perverted into vengeance. That's well, apparently sp- it was very clear to you. It was not that clear to me, but because honestly, that was one of the more interesting parts of the movie. <laughs> right. So... And you know, from that he's like, Oh, is the spirit of justice still in me? And Moreau's like, uh, I don't know. Can you feel it? Shadowing. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know that the spirit of justice is going to show up. But, you would yeah. think. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does. Kind of. So then they take communion, uh-huh. I guess. He, like, hands him a piece of bread and says the body of Christ. And he's got all this wine that's 2,000 years old. And well, Johnny's insulting the bread for some reason. I'm like, this dude's doing you a favor. Like, right. <laughs> What do you care? <laughs> and I, like, this whole thing is kind of a weird Jesus allegory because then he sends him into this. He says, I can't go with you past this point and sends him in to this other room where like a wood or like a stone tomb closes just like it did, uh, you know, with Jesus when he was buried and risen three days later, if you believe in that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, it takes um, a hard turn into like Catholicism type stuff. Pretty yeah. Quickly here. My next note was, is this a Jesus allegory? And I mean, kind of. Sort of, you know, I mean, the, the wine is supposed to be from the time of genius. G- G- yeah, know. it's literally supposed to be like disciple wine. Right. I yeah. mean, but then, yeah, then we get another evil dead scene where he's like floating through the air and vomiting chains and 
apparently when he wakes up, he runs outside and he says, uh, you did it, Moreau, you did it. And so now he doesn't have the spirit anymore, I guess. But nobody's around. Uh, and then it's revealed that the monks are going to kill the boy. They're t- going to chop his head off, apparently, uh, because he's the Antichrist. And... Yeah, and then this breaks the narrative up until this point because there's this whole narrative around, well, it has to be the the ceremony has to be done by this particular time of on this particular day where it can't happen but then the monks are like yeah but we're gonna kill him anyway right well so, and then the monks are like using pressure points on people it's yeah, really all weird. of a sudden they're martial arts experts like they're european style monks like they're white guys they're not like shaolin right. monks or something like that but then they also do like pressure point martial arts of some kind to pe- keep like they can instantly knock somebody out just by touching a spot on their neck and you know can control johnny blaze by just like touching him mm-hmm. so it's very weird um so then we get okay so we get into the scene where they're going to sacrifice the boy and right as the uh, the sword literally like a scimitar type sword is in the area ready to chop the boy's head off the screen goes black again mm-hmm. that's the part and, i was talking about yeah i guess it's a decay power i don't really know but that guy shows up and starts decaying everybody at varying rates of speed. Some people yeah. he does it really fast. Some people he does it really slow. And it's a sword. It takes a certain amount of time. Um, but whatever. Yeah, he kills everybody, basically. Again, because like instead of the monks just killing the kid and being done with it, there has to be a whole ceremony around it. Why? What does the ceremony do? It's still a human body. Right. And so then uh, Moreau, uh, Johnny Blaze, and Nadia, Nadia all come out and see what's happened and the boy is gone and then the scene with the boy and the the one we already talked about with yeah. him and the devil happened but uh i will say some of the statues of like they're like petrified at this point did look kind of cool There's yeah they did props that were nice so yes that that was cool and they had like mushrooms and stuff growing on yeah. them, which i thought was neat uh neat yeah, part of the cool. decay power they could have done something with later and didn't but so this was a really weird scene when you get the three of them all together in this area where all these statues are essentially all these decayed people because i don't know if you noticed this but every shot of a person in that scene when they were having a conversation was a single shot like an individual shot you never saw nick cage together with idris elba you never saw idris elba with uh, nadia's actress uh, you never see them together like you might see a tiny bit of shoulder with jacket or something but that's all you see so i feel like this conversation was changed in editing or something happened there because I don't think all three of these actors were on set together during this. It was a weird That's interesting. scene. I did yeah. not notice that. I think like the cinematography across the board was just very distracting. So I think that was probably a fairly normal thing that my brain just didn't pick up on. Yeah. It just, I don't know why it stood out to me, but it was really weird. I, I kept catch. wondering why these people aren't shown together in my mind. It was like, well, they, if it was COVID or something, you know, they weren't on set at the sure. same time. But obviously, this was way before COVID, right? So that wasn't really though. It it probably was. I feel yeah. like there was some weird stuff, pickup shots later on. But um, yeah, okay. So then we get yeah the scene with the van not rusting when he touches it. Um, I did make a note in here that one of the positives of this movie was I thought the way the color grading was done was really interesting. There was some really dynamic mm-hmm. colors, kind of similar to what they did in Mandy. Um, the, the usage of colors wasn't probably as meaningful as it was in Mandy, but I thought it was definitely interesting in this movie, and whoever was in charge of that did a really good job with it. Um, 
And then we got the second scene of him peeing fire because the devil is talking to the boy and telling him that he's like his mortal, I don't know, storage unit or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's talking about the rider and his flamethrower, which apparently is his penis. But again, unnecessarily. Um, but at this scene, uh, that devil actor, I don't I'm not familiar with him. Uh, yes, uh, Sirion Hins. Uh, he was really creepy in this scene. I, I thought he was fine uh, in the whole movie, frankly. I don't really know him for much. He's not really in a lot of things that I would watch, but I thought he was one of the better parts of the movie. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, he was fine in the rest of the scenes, but this movie kind of, or this scene made me really go, oh, that guy is weird, creepy. He's doing a good job. So, mm-hmm. um, um I liked I did like the flamethrower analogy because he was talking about his body when he takes on a human body. He's like a flamethrower. He says made out of paper mache. And I like that. He's like using up that body whenever he uses any powers or abilities, right? So that's why his face is all messed up because he gave the decay power to Kerrigan. And I just thought that was a good analogy. It was a good analogy, but again, I don't need it to be as a, a flamethrower to be his penis. Uh the Ghost Rider's penis. I mean, that's fair. I mean, Apparently he played Dumbledore in Deathly Hallows. Nice. So there you go. Yeah. So in 2011, he did Harry Potter, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy in this. <laughs> so then he drugs the kid. My next note was drugging children. He injects him in the neck and makes him sleepy, which is questionable at best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and apparently it's to do the ceremony that night, which I still don't really know what the ceremony was supposed to do. But... It's supposed to move the soul of the devil into the kid's body. Okay, so he's trying to take over the kid's body. Yeah. So he had to do the ceremony with Jerry Springer at one point? Supposedly. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so that, he, yeah, there's like... This... He got to do it as Jerry Springer, too. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> and so there's like this temple, and you get like an overhead shot where it's like a bunch of ruins kind of leading up to a temple where they're like a ruined temple that they're going to do the ceremony. And then we get a shot of which, three... by the way, is supposedly the place on Earth that is farthest from heaven. I don't know how the hell that works. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, the, yeah, it's like just a bunch of ruins and you see our three main characters kind of uh, heading towards it. But then they start climbing. And it's shown they're just climbing a ruin. Like a, It's implied that this is a pretty tall ruin. Mm-hmm. They're just going to the top of this ruin that is not connected at all to the temple. It's just like a decrepit building a mile away from the temple (laughs) and they're all climbing to the top of this for some reason and i mean they look at the temple with binoculars so i guess that's why but it seems like a really unnecessary climb it's it's not like in the forest or anything it's a wide open field with a bunch of ruins it was a very did you not did i mean did you notice that too yeah it it seems silly it seems silly but i mean i have no idea why they did it yeah, and then I have my note that Johnny is very touchy feely in this movie, which is a little weird. He was not that way in the first movie. But to your point, everybody's kind of touchy feely in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's something with the director. I never saw Crank, so I don't really know if the directors just want everybody to be touchy feely or what. But um, so then uh, Moreau and Johnny Blaze go into the temple to attempt to like get the kid, and the mom, Nadja is just sitting like a mile away with a sniper rifle, just casually picking dudes off with a thermal scope on a like high end sniper. Rifle. I guess that's why they climbed up over there. Cause she could, she's one of the best snipers in the world. 
Apparently she's like <laughs> military trained. I don't know. None of this is ever said in the movie. The only thing they ever really say is that she's dated she dated Kerrigan, who is a gun runner. Right. So I can understand some familiarity with firearms, but that sure. doesn't make you an amazing shot at a long distance and using like thermal imaging technology and things like that. Well, because we did skip the part where at this monastery, now everybody's dead, all the monks are dead, but they have this room that's got like more guns than like a john wick film yes and they're like we're gonna need guns <laughs> and so she like goes up and she finds this sniper rifle and she's very excited about she it. she finds the sniper rifle and she's like instantly able to like clear the chamber and do all this stuff with it and so and i was okay actually okay with that because yeah that part's fine if she's dating a gun runner she probably has like you know messed with guns before but being a shot a guy a person that can do one shot one kill multiple times and be okay with that and not like feel any remorse for murdering people you know whatever uh, i mean at most we knew she was a petty thief before this you know pulling scams with her son right i mean that that's the big problem is like we just don't get her resume at all yeah because this this is like some amazing marksmanship that she shows really here. really good yeah, yeah the army would want to speak to her um so yeah casual mom murder was my next <laughs> note uh and then the, when they uh ghost rider and uh moreau are in there and they're well it's important to note he's not ghost rider anymore. no he's yeah he's not he lost the power yeah, but he's, he's johnny no yeah um but yeah he they're just hanging out and they just killed a couple dudes now they're just hanging out next to a wall and they uncork a thing of two thousand year old wine that moreau has been saving i guess mm -hmm. and he tries it and there's like a pause and he says it's not bad and then he hands it to johnny and johnny drinks it and said it might be good on a salad which was gross. I don't, do people put wine on salad i think the idea was like it because it's so old it's like like a vinaigrette kind of chunky but then maybe. he i guess but then uh moreau <laughs> takes gross. it and he drinks some more and he mm -hmm. goes up to these other two guys and throws the bottle of wine to one of them not at them to them yeah and then shoots the guy and the wine bottle falls and crack and breaks and he's and he says oh that's perfect that's a waste of perfectly good wine or something like that well, he so is... i guess it wasn't that bad well he's portrayed as possibly being an alcoholic yeah he seems like he has a dependency issue potentially right? yeah he's drinking through most of the movie yeah or so when that, he's not drinking he's talking about drinking yeah. yeah so then the they're the devil and danny are on the stage of this you know ruined amphitheater doing the mm -hmm. ceremony with a bunch of monks out there and johnny blaze just runs out and punches the devil in the <laughs> face and it works it was great it was so and great. it works <laughs> totally regular human just punches the devil yeah the and it's totally okay um <laughs> so yeah that happens and then uh decay shows up and starts decaying people and moreau uh, starts unloading again just like machine gunning down this whole room of monks mm -hmm. and uh and decay shows up and starts decaying him and he holds on long enough to headbutt decay in the face with his skull which explodes into dust as he headbutts decay in the face yeah and he gets some in his mouth and decay is like well that was gross or something yeah. like that yeah and so then like the monks be catch johnny and they're like and, and he's like uh we're gonna kill the kid or kill the kill johnny and then the kid's like wait if i have all the powers as you does that mean i have all the same powers as you and the devil's like, uh, yeah. And then the kid's like, turns and looks at the uh, learns, looks at Ghost Rider and just like 
starts vomiting fire, jumps onto his like shoulders mm-hmm. and starts vomiting fire into his face mm-hmm. for a long, long time. <laughs> for a long time. And all these monks around are just watching this. They're totally okay with it. And they're like, oh, and then he gets up and starts like screaming and grabbing his face. And the monk's like, oh, it's okay. His face is just on fire. And this was also the scene, by the way, where Ker- Kerrigan can show that he can control the decay because he's got johnny's John, face and he's yeah. like drawing decay lines that fade and stuff on his face which i thought that was kind of cool right but if he can control it then they need to be clear yes that he can control it yeah but it yeah, shouldn't so that be an weird... hour and 20 minutes into the movie we're like oh okay <laughs> yeah and so we uh get another chase i think at this point or somebody gets knocked out of a car and i remember there was a wilhelm scream right then well the devil then... runs away Right. Oh, that's what happens. Yeah. The yeah. devil runs away. Uh, and then there's, yeah, there's a Wilhelm scream, which always stands out to me when I hear it. So uh-huh. that was fun. Um, uh, he's got Danny. That's important to know. He's got Danny. And then the like ghost rider catches up to him because he's a ghost rider now. And apparently his chain is animated now. Like his chain has, you know, like the cape and Dr. Strange is sentient and can like. Yeah. Yeah. Because it like rises up like a snake and like starts doing stuff, but it's a prehentile. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Uh, and so then, uh, 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 there's a big, a big fight scene that's happening while cars are driving. Yeah, and Ghost Johnny Rider, Kerrigan and... yeah, John Ghost Rider and uh, DK are fighting on the hood of the car that Nadia is driving, and he like because decay instead... decays the windshield which you can't do because it's glass right which in this case just means it cracks and uh he punches through it but in any case uh the ghost rider successfully pen and stares him at this point it seems uh and throws him into the road and get, he gets run over and then ghost rider says road kill yeah i don't know why that kills kerrigan but it does well the pen is supposed to kill oh, is it the penance that's what killed him okay i assume so i mean in the first movie that's what did it yeah but it like, was unclear they would when the stare was done well he was st- holding him and staring at him and then throw him into the road so yeah. i assume that's what happened but again yeah like it's very unclear um and then so at this point he during the chase he at one point uh took over a military vehicle yeah the truck and made it a ghost rider vehicle again and then he gets in this fight with kerrigan and kills him and then the this is where the the power started getting weird for me because then the motorcycle comes back up mm-hmm. on fire and catches up to it so because at some point he left the motorcycle way behind presumably crashed on the road somewhere uh while he took over the the humvee or whatever it was and then he gets the motorcycle back so yeah that's where things start getting a little wonky for me with the vehicle possession because you know why not just get that crane and start knocking everybody off the road that way but whatever if that that's like the smallest of plot holes in this movie <laughs> and so then he stops the devil and like wrecks his vehicle and grabs him with his chain and and says something like go home or something like that yeah, says, and home. slams him into the ground <laughs> which opens up as well as him so apparently hell is literally in the earth yes in this it's not like an alternate dimension it's no, a it's like physical place yeah it's like a physical place in the center of the earth right somewhere. And, and heaven is a physical place above the earth apparently it's yeah. in the clouds even though you know planes can go there but whatever it's above the planes um, ryan okay yeah okay oh, okay but below space there is no space okay 
Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my next note is hell is literally inside the earth literally. Uh, at this point. And he was very easy to beat. The devil, all he did was grab him with the chain and slam him into the earth and say, go home. And that was it. That devil's very easy to beat. He should have just done that from the beginning. Um, but then we get like a weird touchdown dance because Johnny's happy that he uh, beat him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And now the Ghost Rider is totally okay with Nadia, not trying to pen and stare her soul, not hungry anymore, apparently. Well, because he's not the spirit of vengeance anymore. Yes, he is, because he still has the orange flame. For the moment. So, uh, yeah. So he was going to go, you know, he doesn't go after Nadia, even though he's been after her several times during this whole thing. But then we get, okay, so I had a theory early on in this movie that he was wearing gloves because CGIing hands is very difficult. Yes. Especially like skeleton hands. Uh-huh. And they didn't want to do that. So he's wearing gloves this whole movie. Well, at this point, he's not wearing gloves. And so I was instantly suspicious. And then you get that bone hand like coming on the screen. And it looks like somebody cut it out of construction paper. It's and like held it up into the screen. It's really bad. It's huge. And then yes, it's very like, yeah, the scale is totally weird. Everything about it is weird. And then the flame turns to blue. And he says, feel it. Hell yes. And yeah, then in, in it shows his face is now blue flame also. Um, but yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. And then written by David Goyer popped up and everything made sense. <laughs> the stories by him. I don't know that he really had much to do with the screenplay, but dude's been involved in a lot of stuff. Some better than others. That's true. But that's it. Like, and what's really like what's really awful at the end of this movie is that the potential of what they could do with the spirit of justice concept is kind of a cool idea. And then it doesn't go, it obviously doesn't go anywhere. So there's this huge buildup to the spirit of justice and then it's over. Yeah. And did you notice there there was no Marvel logo before the beginning of the movie? No, they did the Marvel Knights. Yeah, they just had the words Marvel Knights pop up. But even on like the old Fantastic Four and Spider-Man I thought they did a comic book thing before it. Did they? I'm pretty I mean, sure. Okay, maybe they did. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was weird. That, I think that it was just to do that. an alternate because back then the idea was like they wanted the R-rated movies separated. This was rated R. Oh, uh, was it PG-13? I don't know. It did not yeah, feel like an R-rated is, movie. It is PG-13. You're right. Uh, I mean, the Marvel Knights were supposed to be like a more adult. Thing. Yeah, but this um, was and this was more adult too. But it definitely was not for kids. Yeah, but yeah, but that's it. That's that's, that's it. the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it's certainly not good. It's certainly a bad movie, but I think like it had just been built up as being like the worst thing imaginable that it was like, oh, no, I feel like it was better than like uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four and some of those other, uh, you know, really bad Marvel movies from this era. X3, it was well, I don't know if it was better than X3, but X3 was pretty bad, but X3 is bad. I don't know. It was not good. It was no, I mean, I, like I said, I know the first one was a, was a bad movie, but it was one of those movies that was, they were really trying to make a good movie and you could tell, and it was just so cheesy and bad that it actually ended up being enjoyable. This movie was not that. Yeah. Apparently Peter Fonda who played, you know, the devil in the first movie, uh, he was offered the role. And after reading the first few pages of the script was like, no, (laughs) smart move. I mean, he was a highlight of the first movie for sure. Oh man. 
And like, there's some disappointment stuff here too. Like I thought that Idris was going to play another rider because in the first movie you had Sam Elliott as a different rider. And so I was like, Oh, that might be kind of cool. Like the, you know, Idris and cage together, like on fire and stuff. And obviously that doesn't happen. So that was a bummer. Right. You know, I thought he was going to play blade. Oh man. Blade was in the Marvel Knights. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out when was, when was blade Trinity? When was the last blade movie? I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea, but yeah, I mean, just like Idris is just totally wasted in this movie. I, the, the, I thought he was just going to be Blade because as soon as Marvel Knights popped up and he was the first character you see that I was like, okay, this has got to be Blade. That's a that's a good guess. I, that did not cross my mind, I think, because of the French accent. Right. Well, you didn't hear the French accent uh, until, you know, a, a few minutes in. I, sure. I'm talking about when I just like first saw him because he had like kind of a tactical vest and a jacket look kind of like yeah. Blade does, you know. I don't know. He would be a great Blade. No, he he would. That um, and that would have worked timing wise because yeah, it was 2004 for Blade Trinity, so there was a nice gap. They could yeah. have done a reboot of the character very easily there. But right. nope, didn't get that either. No, nope, because I mean, they killed off the character in the movie too. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we got to rate this thing. Yeah. So the way we do this, of course, is we have our cage o meter where we rank or rate our Nicolas Cage movies on a scale of quality, zero through 20, 20 high, and caginess, again, zero through 20, 20 high. So, Ryan, from a quality standpoint, where would you rate Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance? Uh, like we've gone, gone over a bit in this, I, there were things I did like about this movie, but majority of things I did not like about this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm maybe a five or a six on this because it's better than I enjoyed this movie more than like the Cotton Club, for example, okay, or Zandali or Doggy well, Dog. I mean, you gave the Cotton Club an eight, did I? I yeah. think, well, I think that was because Cotton Club is objectively a better movie, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, and you I gave, can, I'm aware of that you gave Next and Dying of the Light a six, both of those, yeah. I'd say that this is probably a five, then okay, so five. I think this is worse than those movies. Fair enough. No, that, that's good. A five. Um, I'm in a similar boat as well. I think I'm also going to give it a five because I also gave Dying of Light a six and I actually gave Next a seven. So I'm going to go with a five as well. And then we have our caginess. Now, there's definitely some some good caginess stuff in here, right? There's the the scene, the interrogation scene is great. There's some of the riding scenes that are great. Um, so I got to kind of give give it up there a little bit. But I, I don't want to go yeah. too crazy. So I'm being a little cagey in a different way here with, <laughs> with my answer. Um, but I'm thinking maybe like um, maybe like a 15. Yeah, I was thinking about like a 14. So okay. I think we're in a similar. All right. So 14 and a there. half for caginess. Now, this is our 20th movie. So Ryan and I are actually going to go back and look at our scores for the previous 19 and maybe do a few adjustments because in some cases we didn't really know where the floor was i'll say (laughs) i'll say more that derek didn't know where the floor was because he immediately like went to one of the first bad movies we watched was like that's a one nothing could be worse than this no 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 zonnelly was episode 13 man all right 13 and he didn't think anything would be worse than that movie but turns out there are things worse than that movie debatably yeah yeah 
but there you go. So we'll, we'll adjust those a little bit and we'll post our cage meter on our website and things of that nature. So next we just got to figure out what movie joins the wheel O cage. And so what we basically do each uh, episode, we, we spin a wheel and we decide what movie we're going to talk about based on that. We have to add something to the wheel now that this movie is off of it. So we will be adding the trust to the wheel. So if you want to find out which Nicolas Cage movie we're talking about next, watch the latest Wheel O Cage. You can go to comingofcage.com or follow us at Coming of Cage to find that out. Ryan, any last notes? I will never watch this movie again. <laughs> God willing. Yeah, I mean, I really hope to uh, never see this again. I'm with you in that boat. So there you have it. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. We're the Coming of Cage podcast. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. We'll catch you next time. Roadkill.